Seven days in, experiment 244 has so far proven to be unsuccessful. You gonna kill me? I'm still deciding. I don't know if I can. Keep it in your yard. Keep it away from me. I am running out of time. You owe me a life. You have no idea what he has done to me, please. Oh, trust me, Gary. I really do. You don't have the first clue. We can't keep running from this. You bury someone enough times, start to wonder if the soul even exists. Welcome back to Skip the Lou. I am Lacey Lou, and with me I have someone I'm really excited to talk about. Uh, somebody who has created one of the most recent cult classics in cinema history with Velocipaster. We have Brendan Steer. What's up, Brendan? Hello. Nice to be here. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. How's the weather where you are? Um, good, actually. It was a really nice day. It wasn't too hot. That, that's sort of the danger that you run into in L.A. <laughs> uh, and today was quite temperate. It was nice. Nice. Yeah, it's been a really crazy type of weather going on here in Iowa. Uh, like, it'll, it's, like, really humid, and then we'll have thunderstorms, and so it's just, like, wet and humid and gross. Mm-hmm. But it was mm-hmm. nice today, so it didn't storm. <laughs> Yeah, I must admit the humidity is something I do not miss from, from the... I, I'm, a, I'm like a cold-weather person, actually. Like, yeah. I love winter. I love snow. But um, I will say that uh, ever since I moved west, I truly do not miss um, humid summers in the east. They are terrible. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, so I, I get it. <laughs> well, um, from what I kind of know about you, um, you are quite the traveler, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I, I would say so. And you know um, different languages? What languages do you know? I know um, French and German reasonably well. Um, I started working on Spanish recently because I live in SoCal, and it's very embarrassing. I speak almost none of it. And um, I'm really good at parroting Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would not in any way, shape, or form say I speak it outside of some grab bag phrases, but the phonology of Japanese is very easy. It's like if you see it written out in the romanji, you can fake it relatively quickly. <laughs> so uh, I can do that's a party trick. <laughs> but um, the French and German, I'm reasonably good at actually. So, where has been your favorite place to travel then? Um. You know, I, I hate to give it to him, but I gotta say Paris. Yeah? I, I like, had a chip on my shoulder when I was going to go to Paris for the first time. I was like, okay, France, whatever. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I loved it. I adored Paris. I, I think it's just a, an amazing city and a really good mix of, like, things are always happening, like New York, but it doesn't have quite the same stress as New York. Like, New York seems almost too caffeinated, and there's something about Paris that's a little more um, uh, human-paced. Like, not as stuffy? I appreciated that. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. And it's just, it really is a gorgeous city. It's like the architecture is amazing. The Louvre alone is is worth the, the visit. So it's, uh, I loved Paris. But um, yeah, I, I've, I, I, there aren't many places I've been that I've been like, never again. <laughs> but that one does stand out to me as probably my favorite. See, I think like, I was really excited to go to Aruba. And then I got there, and I just, I don't know, like, I think maybe because they were digging up Natalie Holloway's bones, supposedly, at the time, like, it was, like, a stigma. Yeah, like, you hadn't heard anything about it for years, and, like, my grandma was like, no, you can't go to Aruba, because that's where that girl disappeared. And, I mean, that was years ago, before I was taking this trip, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I get there, and... While I'm there, they're like, they think they might have found Natalie Holloway's bones. And I mean, I, I shouldn't laugh about it, but like, <laughs> just because of the absurdity of it all. Yeah, of course. You and, were the good luck charm. Yeah. Look at it that way. <laughs> like, no, um, my grandma was. If not for your visit. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah, it was. I was just like, please get me home safely. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. I felt that way. Um, the one place I have been that was not my favorite was um, I went to Latvia for a month. Oh. Um, I lived in Riga, Latvia for an entire month. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it, it was a little rougher than – Riga is, like, an amazingly pretty little town. But it's the capital. Um, it's a city. But it is not big. It's sort of like, you know – you can explore the entirety of it in two to three days. Um, and so I was sort of stuck there for a month during the summer where there was like basically no night. <laughs> um, I almost got stabbed once. Oh my uh, yeah, it, it was, it was a time. It, um, and it's the only place I've ever been where um, the liquor was truly cheaper than the water. Wow. <laughs> the, uh, a tall boy of beer was 75 cents and a water bottle was a euro 10. So <laughs> it was like, actually you could get two for the price of one. Almost. It was bizarre. Um, I don't know. It was, was not my favorite, <laughs> but, but you know, uh, thanks Latvia. They did. I will, I will give them this. I will say this about them. They have maybe the best internet I've ever had in the world. What? <laughs> um, yeah, they had free Wi-Fi over the entirety of the city that was just, you could just hop on. And it was, like, blazingly fast. Um, it was, like, very cool, actually. <laughs> no matter where you were, you had a very strong internet connection and didn't have to worry about getting lost. You didn't, You could just, like, download videos as you were walking along. That part was cool. I liked that. <laughs> There was also a barista there that looked just like Greta Gerwig. And I oh, wow. tried to tell her, and I don't think she understood. But <laughs> I hope she does now. Anyway, I'm Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you, aside from being a traveler and, you know, a filmmaker, you also uh, are musically inclined. Yes. Um, yeah, I, have a, I have a band, as it were. Yeah, what is the name of your band? Free Parking. Free Parking. Um, Yes, uh, free parking is the main one. That's I've been doing music with them for almost ten years. Oh my um, Four studio albums, <laughs> uh, and I also do music on my own. I'm actually in the process of recording 
the next album um, this month, which was very exciting and very tiring. <laughs> I'm not used to being in rooms with people again, honestly. Right. <laughs> uh, so, but I am doing that. That is underway, and I'm very excited about what it's sounding like. It sounds really good. <laughs> Have you named it yet? Yeah, it's going to be called Pure Beauty. Oh, I like that. Um, thank you so much. Uh, it's named after a weed strain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, my, well, actually, no, I'm sorry, a company, a weed company, a female-owned, uh, ethically-sourced weed company that happens to be my favorite here in California, and they got great product design. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I don't know. The, the more I just sat with that name, the more I was like, wow, well, I don't know. That's sort of, I think that's what it has to be. <laughs> yeah see you guys are lucky it's not legal where i'm at yet <laughs> it, how crazy I, is that i think it will be soon that is crazy um but i i really do think that within the next five or so years nobody's going to be able to turn down the tax revenue well i'm, like, su- I'm surprised they're doing that now though yeah, I am too, honestly. Well, well, they had a dispensary here, and um, they were selling Delta 8. Mm, sure. Uh, and then the cops, like, raided it, and so now they can't sell Delta 8 anymore. Yeah, I did some my, a lot of my growing up in Pennsylvania, and it's still sort of like... It's not recreationally legal there. It, it's sort of in that awkward in between phase where it's like decriminalized but like you need a medical card or something i don't really know i don't really understand it um <laughs> honestly but uh yeah all my friends there uh com- complain about it and it is probably i will say it's it's definitely a perk of being in california the infrastructure here for it is is amazing and you don't uh, like, need a medical card, right? <laughs> no, not at all. You can walk in. Honestly, the first time I ever legally bought weed here, um, it was the first time I ever bought weed in my life. I actually <laughs> waited till legalization somehow. Um, and I was on a college campus, and I ordered it through an app. <laughs> I, I just literally pulled it up on my phone, and I was like, that one? And, third, and like 15 minutes later, a dude drove up in a car and used my credit card. Oh my so, god! <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's as long. They of course check your ID like they do with alcohol, but um, that's it. That's all you need is just to be over twenty one. And you never looked back since, huh? <laughs> no, it, it, that part rules. <laughs> Especially because I'm um, I am sober from alcohol now, oh. and I'm not gonna lie. Especially during the pandemic. I don't know if I would have made it <laughs> if, if not for legal marijuana. So I'm an advocate, but I'm also, I, I don't know. I think it'll be legalized. And I, I think, I think there will be one, one of two things going to happen. There's either going to be a federal ruling that makes it legal everywhere, period. Um, like there was with, uh, with gay marriage and, and stuff mm-hmm. or, or um, it's going to be state by state, and there's going to be one weird holdout, and I'm telling you, it's going to be Utah, <laughs> and, and where it's going to be like one of those weird things where, you know, you'll go to the state and be like, oh, right, <laughs> we can't do that here. <laughs> um, like gambling in Nevada in reverse. <laughs> like, um yeah, I, I think one of those two things is going to happen. I don't see how it couldn't, honestly. Like I said, it, it just seems seems to be going incredibly well everywhere that they have legalized it. So, 
people right on. Um, hopefully they legalize it soon. <laughs> um, so I got to ask you, how did you get, um, or what inspired you to get into filmmaking? Um, it was Reservoir Dogs, actually. <laughs> I, I, um, I didn't watch a lot of rated R movies when I was a kid. I, it was kind of like one of those, I was the younger child and so it was kind of forbidden um and i snuck away from a a class trip to new york city once and i bought myself a copy of reservoir dogs (laughs) and i watched it alone in my parents basement at like 10 p.m and i was like yep that's it that's what i want to (laughs) do like i i'd always liked movies but that was one of the i guess it was like one of the first auteur films I saw where I was like conscious that it was one person you know writing directing and and doing a lot of the important creative decisions and it was definitely the first one I saw with such a unique voice and I was like oh you can do that (laughs) um and so from yeah from that point on I that was that was all I wanted I, I figured it out very young um so yeah I made short films kind of in my backyard all throughout high school and stuff uh i went to the school of visual arts in new york city um that was where i got my film degree uh and that was actually where i shot animosity (laughs) uh it was my film school thesis (laughs) uh and then i um yeah that's how i got into film essentially yeah, no, I wanted to ask you about Animosity because um, 2014, I believe, is the year, 2013? Mm-hmm. Uh, Somewhere around there. Yeah, so is this just now getting um, sent to the masses? More or less, yes. We So the story of it is, at SCA, um, <clears throat> you know, they strongly discourage students um, from going for a feature. So naturally I did <laughs> um, because it, I, I was just chock full of hubris and I wanted to see if I could do it. I, I had to prepare all the stuff way in advance, um, like a year in advance. I had to have the script done. I had to have my show, everything ready to present. And I, I did it. So um, over the course of the year, I shot Animosity. I edited it and submitted it for my thesis send it around to a couple of film festivals kind of thinking that was that um it did end up getting picked up for distribution from a small um dvd company and they put it out but you know this was in the days before streaming or at the very least this was when netflix was pretty much it <laughs> like where um, you can still rent dvds Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, this was a movie we played. Our our big claim to fame with Animosity was we played at Fantasia in Montreal. um, That's such a great festival. Yeah, and it was a huge honor. I, I, you know, I I was just so blown away. We were playing next to Guardians of the Galaxy and Boyhood and shit. It was so cool. (laughs) Um, I I met the director of Unfriended, and he was a very nice man. uh, and actually, at the time, Unfriended was still called Cybernatural. That was what it screened as there. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, it, they renamed it when it got picked up, and I believe they reshot the ending. There, there was like something like that as well when it when it got theatrical distribution. But um, but yeah, we we played there, um, and so it was released on DVD. But you know, this was a movie 
effectively starring no one from a director you had never heard of, um, whose entire pitch was predicated on trust. <laughs> like, like, the pitch of animosity is essentially like a couple moves into a house in the middle of the woods, trust me. <laughs> and, because there's nothing more I can really pitch from the movie without ruining the first 30 to 45 minutes of it, which are all like the mystery building up. Um, and it was a lesson I, I took to heart, and Rich Velocipastor tried to make basically the most pitchable movie possible. <laughs> um, but it was very frustrating because it came out on DVD. People who saw it really liked it, but it didn't really go anywhere. So this re-release I'm very excited for because, first and foremost, now that Velocipastor has some clout, and I do... Um, I'm hoping the trust me part of the pitch plays <laughs> and way more to the point it'll be on Amazon where oh, it's awesome. sort of like uh, Amazon Prime where it's you know it's a big ask to get somebody to spend 15 to 25 dollars on a movie that might suck um, and it is way 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 less of an ask to be like click the link and you can watch it. <laughs> and so I'm hoping that it will find its audience more now. But uh, yes, this is technically a re-release. It's just the first time that it will be available to nearly as many people as it will be. Well, I think that's awesome. Um, now, you said it was for a thesis. Um, did you have to have like certain elements put into it? Or it could have just yeah. been on anything? <laughs> <laughs> no, they were very they they were very lenient um, with the content of the movies. Like it couldn't be anything pornographic. It couldn't be anything. Um, there was like one uh, one or two other things that you sort of needed to abide by. But um, in terms of the actual content of the movie, it wasn't really like you got graded. It was much more of like a pass fail. Where it was sort of like, did you make a movie, and can we, you know, see that you wrote the script, that you outlined it, that you have your, you know, each step of the process, um, and that was essentially what you were, I guess, graded on. Um, and they were, like, following along to make sure you were on course uh, during the year. Got you. Um, now, whenever I think of film school, I think of, um, God, uh, Urban Legends 2 Final Cut. <laughs> uh, hell yeah <laughs> it's just like that <laughs> so, where you yeah. have like the Hitchcock award <laughs> yup yup it, it, was, it was funny because I, I was the only um, I was the only one that completed a feature that year well, and that's awesome. I, I was yeah I, I was very proud of that I um, would be but, too <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, but the uh the best film award of the year went to a very talented Indian filmmaker named Shubhashish Bhutiani, who is my friend. Um, and his short got his short film, his thesis got shortlisted for an Oscar. Wow. So it's like it's it's really good. I didn't mind losing to Shubi <laughs> because I was sort of like, yeah, dude, he he earned it. It's a great film. So, um, but yeah, I was very proud of being the only uh, feature boy. Now, how did you come up with the idea for the script? Yeah, um, you know, it's interesting. Um, so, 
when I was in film school, I, you know, as you can probably tell from my filmography, I love both high and low cinema, so to speak. Um, I love, like, art house garbage, like Kiristami and Kurosawa and, and uh, you know, Tarkovsky, all my, all my buddies. <laughs> and um, I also love horror movies. I love low-budget, um, no-budget, uh, just, you know, Z-grade movies. And I realized, as I was sort of exploring art cinema, that... A couple of them had been remade into those horror movies. <laughs> like, the one in particular that inspired animosity was um, Last House on the Left is a remake of an Ingmar Bergman film called uh, The Virgin Spring. Yeah. Um, and I loved The Virgin Spring. I, I, it's still one of my favorite Bergmans. And I liked Last House on the Left quite a bit. And for animosity, I wanted to essentially do the same thing with Solaris the Andre Tarkovsky film. I wanted to remake Solaris uh, as a horror film. And I thought the way to do that would be to flip the point of view from Chris Kelvin to Kari, um, and that's why the main character's name is Carrie, actually, because uh, in the Russian it is K-H-A-R-I, Kari. And um, yeah, that was what I did. That was the inspiration, essentially. And I just went from there because, of course, I couldn't afford for it to be in space. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't uh, make a sci-fi uh, in in the form that Tarkovsky did. So I just sent it, set it in the Pennsylvania woods instead. Well, and I just have to say, uh, Carrie, played by Tracy Willett, uh, she did amazing. Mm. Like crazy She's so good. good in the film. Like crazy good. <laughs> yeah, I I completely agree. I. I have told people, um, I'm very proud of my work in Animosity, but I think that Tracy outshines my work. Um, you know, she, she is just, the film lives and dies by her, I think. Like, um, you can and, just feel her emotions uh, going through it, like, through her? Yeah. Like, she's just yeah. so really talented, very. Um, how I, did you? I completely agree. How did you get her in the film? I wrote it for her. Oh. Um, she was, uh, <laughs> we had, um... One of the best classes I took at SDA was actually uh, the directing class I took with um, a teacher called Bill Hopkins. And one of my favorite things that Bill did was he would bring in actors. Like, I, I think he ran, like, a casting studio or something on the side. Or maybe he taught acting on the side. I'm not really sure. But he would bring in, like, sort of a stock of actors so you could get used to directing actors um, in class. And I met Tracy there. And I just sort of intuited, like, we hit it off, we became friends, and I just sort of, the more I saw her work, the more I was, like, realized how prodigiously talented she was. So when it was time to sort of embark on this weirdo Solaris remake, I, <laughs> I was, like, the only person I know who I can trust with, completely with the lead of my first feature is her. So I wrote Carrie for her, and um, yeah, I think that she, she blew me away, honestly. She did better than I thought she would even. <laughs> it, it, she did really well. Another one that kind of stood out, it, it was a smaller role in the film. It was the boy. Um, he kind of reminded me of, like, the mannerisms of uh, Sean Whalen, um Roach, 
and um, sure. uh, people under the stairs. I don't like there was just moments where like I was like he's reminding me of Roach right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so funny. He's um, that's my childhood friend, Rob O'Rourke. <laughs> I, I cast him in the film because he he was exploring acting at the time, and I I love the. I, I love his look in the film. <laughs> like, he, he truly does look quite emaciated. <laughs> and uh, just sort of, I don't know, he's just got such such a striking face. Um, he's a very handsome guy. So, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I love him in this movie, too. Yeah. And he also, I will say, gets the best jump. <laughs> so, I'm happy about that, too. Yeah, there was just moments I was just like, oh, I want to see more of this character. <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> I understand that well. <laughs> what would you say was the most challenging part of making Animosity? Oof. Um, it's the budget, truly. It, yeah. it was, um, we shot it for 14000 bucks. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, half the budget of Velocipaster for anybody who's counting. <laughs> so, so wrap your minds around that world. Uh, this is half the budget of Velocipaster. <laughs> um, so it was very, very difficult to shoot continuously. Um, we essentially couldn't, couldn't um, shoot in. Like, you know, the way you're supposed to make a goddamn movie is like sort of block out a month and just shoot it. Right. Um, and we couldn't do that. We couldn't afford to feed people that long or pay people that that long. So after about a week and a half, maybe two weeks of photography, we had to break and sort of, over the course of the next six or seven months, come back on weekends to finish it. Um, not everybody could be there at the same time. Uh, often, that was the case. Um, in this, in... Like, for example, um, <clears throat> two characters in the film, uh, the scientist, the big evil scientist Hampton and <laughs> the uh, weird next-door neighbor Tom, those actors never met. We There's a scene where one of them points a gun at another one and backs him up against the wall, and we had to do that with stand-ins and careful framing. Um, and it... It was a lot of stuff like that. It was a lot. There's another scene in the film where Carrie is outside talking to Tom, and for some reason in this scene, it is just a Sergio Leone film for two minutes, <laughs> where it's just like locked in on like their faces, and I can tell you that's because all around them on the ground is snow, because we shot that scene in December, and <laughs> we had already established that this was taking place in like the high summer. So it was sort of like, it was things like that where were really difficult. In, in some ways, it is honestly kind of a miracle the film exists at all. <laughs> like, and, and is sort of like a cohesive narrative um, because of all of the difficulties in having to just constantly split up the shoot like that. Yeah, no, I bet it was a major learning experience, though. Oh, God, yeah. God, yeah. It was, I... Definitely, it is the, I would say it is the film I learned the most on, um, as a filmmaker. Um, yeah, and I think that it's funny, the, I, I guess I learned relatively well, <laughs> because in comparison, the shoot to Velocipaster went great. <laughs> it was like nothing happened, like nothing happened on that set that was bad. 
like animosity. Well, now I have to ask you about the lost pastor. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> um, now, how did this crazy story come about? Uh, for the last pastor? Yes. <laughs> um, it was an autocorrect on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> my phone autocorrected Velociraptor to Space Pastor. And I looked at it and I thought, I don't know, it sounds like a fucking movie. <laughs> I put my phone away. Um, Grindhouse had just come out. Uh, it was 2011. And I had an in-class assignment um, to just make a short film. So I made a short Grindhouse trailer for uh, this fake movie that didn't exist called Velocipaster. Um, It got some traction online, and I tried to kickstart it twice. And um, (laughs) it didn't work either time. And uh, after, so I sort of forgot about it, and we did Animosity. And after Animosity, um... I just couldn't stop thinking about Velocipaster. <laughs> so I went back and um, the story just poured out of me in, in maybe like three days. Uh, I barely touched the script after that, <laughs> after three days of writing. Um, and so, yeah, it just sort of, um, I just followed my instincts and tried to chase the fun. And that was essentially how I wrote it, <laughs> was I had a title, I had uh, the, an egg of an idea, and I just chased it. So it kind of just took on its own life form. <laughs> yeah, kind of, yes. Uh, honestly, it's it sort of, I've gotten more convinced over the years of the almost quasi-spiritual level of screenwriting, where it's sort of like... I don't know, dude. Sometimes the story just goes where it wants to go, and you like really can't control it all that much. Um, and that was certainly the case with Velocipaster. Were you surprised at the reception that it got? Yes. <laughs> I, I, I did not think that was going to be the one. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. And in fact, it was kind of a battle... Oh, sorry, just podcast no, you're it was fine. kind of a battle within myself to make it after animosity because i thought i was teeing myself up for a very serious dark film career mm-hmm. um and i you know when you make a, a feature you're dedicating three to five years of your life to that story um, like it's, it is the definition of a marathon in terms of like, that's three to five years from, uh, you know, Pin getting the, the idea frame. down on paper and yeah, exactly. Um, going to the festivals, getting distribution, doing press, um, et cetera. That, that's, that's a very long time. Right. Um, and so honestly with Pastor and with animosity, but particularly with, with VP, it was, I, I almost had to, like, talk myself into it, <laughs> because I was kind of like, are, do you really want to dedicate, like, so much of your life, like, a quantifiable percentage of your life <laughs> to Velocipaster? <laughs> and the answer was, hell yes. <laughs> and so, so uh, it was, but no, I honestly was surprised. I, I always knew it had an audience, but in my wildest dreams, I didn't think it would be it would reach the, the levels of popularity that it has. I, I am, you know, 
proud and humbled and all of that. What was your favorite part about making it? Hmm. You know, um, it was actually the first shot we did on day one because uh, the first shot we took at Velocipaster uh, was the reveal of Doug's brother in the kitchen (laughs) where we sort of like pan over and he's standing there with an orange juice glowering at them. Um, And the moment I cut, everybody burst out laughing because it was really funny. (laughs) Um, And that was the moment I knew the movie would work. Because I was sort of like, oh, good, I'm not a crazy person. This is actually funny. (laughs) Um, And it was a very, uh, very reassuring feeling um, to just kind of not not worry about that, you know? (laughs) Like, you're trying to juggle a, a million different things when you're directing and producing a movie, and... It's very, very, very difficult to do that if you don't believe in the material. Um, And I did, but it was nice to have that confirmation that, like, oh, no, this will work. This will work. You're you're not an absolutely insane person kind of thing. (laughs) Now, what would you say is the best behind-the-scenes story with Velocipaster? I would say... Um, it is the costume. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, are, are you aware of the costume story? No, no. Oh, okay. So, um, so, a lot of people have asked me um, how much the costume cost, where we got it, things like that. Um, and the answer is, I don't know, and I don't know. <laughs> because um, the way the costume came into existence was I had... In high school, I ran my, my high school film club, uh, which every year we made, a, we made a thing. And one year, by some miracle of, of, you know, school budgeting, we had a little money that they dedicated to the film. And the, we were going to make a remake of the 1970s movie, The Last Dinosaur, starring Richard Boone. Um, and so the class advisor, a teacher made like got this costume he hired a dude to make us this costume uh and they delivered it to my house in pennsylvania um and the next day the principal of the school canceled the film because he thought it was too violent he had finally read the script but (laughs) but he did not ask for the costume back and (laughs) he just didn't ever bring it up so smash cut to 2011 when I see Velocipaster on my phone, I'm like, I can finally use that costume. (laughs) (laughs) Because truly, it's just been sitting in my basement for like five years. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, I, I, we did what we had to do. And when it came to the feature film, I think that, um, I thought it was only right to use the costume again. (laughs) Uh, And I was the only person that could fit in it. It was me and my brother, because this was intended for a high school boy, (laughs) Um, and I am 5'8", which is just short enough (laughs) to get into that costume. So um, my brother and I, uh, most of the shots I think are actually Zach um, in the final cut, but depending on the shot, it is one of us steer brothers inside of that thing. 
Um, <laughs> you, you also, I just want to make sure you know, you cannot see, You can, there are no secret eye holes or anything, you're totally blind. Um, you cannot hear, and you have about two minutes of usability, two to five minutes of usability before you're sweating so much that you have to get out before you pass out. So, <laughs> um, so in all of those ninja fights, I can't speak for my brother Zach, but I know that I was flailing blindly and trusting that the ninja stunt team was making it look like anything at all. <laughs> um, because there was that, like, you couldn't, I, I couldn't have choreographed it even if I wanted to, you know? <laughs> Um, I love that. That's awesome. Because <laughs> um, that, that like took me back to my theater days and drama club and all of that. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. That, that was very much the vibe, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I know, like, exactly, like, those moments of where, you know, you're trying to do something and they're like, nope, you can't do that. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, I actually have a friend who is obsessed with this film. Um, if you could shout him out, that would be amazing. His name is Eric Eckes. <laughs> Eric Eckes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, shout outs to Eric Eckes. Thank you so much for liking Velocipaster. I'm so happy <laughs> you enjoyed the film. Uh, what a, what a strange life we live in. Hey, buddy. <laughs> yeah. But Thank like, you so much, Eric. He's obsessed. Like, he's. He's telling us every other week, he's like, do Velocipaster, do it, do it for the podcast. <laughs> and like, he's obsessed. And so uh, I'm, he's going to be I'm very so happy. happy. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, and I'm so happy that it's, I'm so, it's hard to describe how happy I am that people got it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, because it's an incredibly, this is a film I tried to kickstart three or four times, and every time it failed. <laughs> and so, when it, to finally have it come out, and have it, you know, be, have myself be a little vindicated, honestly, is, like, just very, I don't know, it feels really good. I'm, I'm so happy that people enjoy the film. I love hearing all of that. Um, I have to ask you, because I ask everybody that comes on Skips the Loo, uh, what is your favorite horror movie? Hmm. You know, I don't think it's the best horror movie ever made. Okay. But I think my favorite is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original. Oh. I, I find that film genuinely frightening. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the sense that it's so visibly low budget, like from the word go, that it just keeps, it, it, it has like that almost weird, truly primal documentary thing going on where there's part of you being like, people are going to get hurt. <laughs> like even just making this movie, people are going to get hurt. Right. Um, and I, I think that there's, you know, it has a famously um, hellish production. Um, it is just sort of, it's less a testament to Toby Hooper's filmmaking and more a testament to the fact that they all made it out alive. <laughs> and sort of having this as a document of, of their hellish summer is just really 
intriguing to me. And I think that there's, they find beauty in, in all of the grossness somehow. I, I think it's, it's a film I can watch again and again and still be scared. With a close runner-up being, and I do think this is a perfect horror movie, um, Alien. Oh? The, the original Alien. I, I actually, it's funny. For animosity, I took a week, and every night I watched Alien, <laughs> uh, just to kind of figure it out and be like, "Why is this? Why does this work?" Um, I don't think it really translated into the final film, but I got to watch Alien a lot, and I like that. <laughs> so the only thing that really did, um, and I'm hoping that it'll come out a lot better in the HD than the original DVD release is that Alien does a lot of really interesting self-lighting. Like, it's a very visually dark movie. Um, not just in, in the content of its storyline, but just, like, you know, there are frames of that movie where most of it's just black. Um, and, yeah, I, I tr- we tried to emulate that a little bit, too. Sometimes successfully, sometimes unsuccessfully. But, um, yeah, I love Alien as well. Awesome. Um, what other projects do you have coming up? Mm. or can you talk um, about them <laughs> yeah i'm i'm in the process of like working on a lot right now i can tell you that we're looking for funding for velocipaster too oh um yeah i'm very excited for that i i i'm optimistic i think we'll get it um and so that's my next big film project uh i w- would love to do another darker horror film um but i just don't think it's the right time uh after covid (laughs) honestly i don't know if i have it in me to like just be like cool everybody get bummed out (laughs) (laughs) um and i i think that during the pandemic was kind of when i figured out what i actually wanted to do with the velocipaster sequel so um because the death of it would just be to do um the same thing yeah. Like, so much of the appeal of Velocipaster as you're watching it is like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> um, and I feel like if I was, if we were to just basically do the same movie again, it would be so boring. And, and I just think that that would be, especially for a, a Velocipaster, would be a cardinal sin. Like, that would be the death of it. It would just be, you know, disappointing. (laughs) So, finally, I I sort of, right near the end of the pandemic, um, I stumbled upon what I think I, what what I wanted to do for number two. And, uh, yep, we finished the script in March. Um, Just finished up all the, all the uh, promotional materials to try and get some funding. So, that's the next big project. Well, that's incredible. I know Eric Eckex is going to be really happy. Hell yeah. <laughs> and a bunch of other people. Um, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, um, I am just at Brendan Steer on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I do have a Facebook, too, but that's mostly for my mom. Right. <laughs> like, I don't really do business stuff on there, so I don't know. If you want to see cool pictures of my family, you can follow that, too. <laughs> Uh, but I am very active on Twitter and Instagram, um, and yep, it is just at Brendan Steer. Um, and yeah, I, I will certainly, um, Animosity drops on July 20th, and I will certainly be tweeting a bunch about that until then. 
Well, I will definitely be tagging you in this as soon as I drop it. Um, thank you so much. I want to thank you so much for joining me. Please come back anytime and talk some movies with me or anytime you want to promote anything. I definitely will do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you for being a part of Skip to the Lou. Uh, until next time, everybody. Bye. Bye.